Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Welcome to SightedMoon.com. I'm your host, Joseph Dumont, and today I want to talk to you about the Feast of Weeks. Why do we count the Omer? We talked about that a little bit already, but what is the significance of this? What is the importance of this? You know, in my book, The 2300 Days of Hell, I talk about the 70 weeks of Daniel, and I show you what that means. 70 weeks are decreed for your people. The word weeks there is the Feast of Weeks. Now, the Feast of Weeks is the Festival of Pentecost. It's the seven-week period from uh, the wave sheaf day during the Days of Unleavened Bread up until the 50th day of Pentecost. Now, you read that about that in Leviticus 23 from the morrow after the seventh Sabbath. The day after the seventh Sabbath is the 50th day. And the day after the seventh Sabbath is a Sunday. It can't be just another day of the week because it has to be the day after the seventh Sabbath. There are no seven high holy days. So those of you that are counting from the high holy day during the Passover of Aviv 16, and counting from, or a V15, the day after, counting at the 16th, and writing it at Savan 16, three months later, you've done it wrong. It says the day after the seventh Sabbath. So the seventh Sabbath is a Sunday. What is the importance of this, and why do we do this each year? This is the thing we got to come to understand. Because when you look up this word weeks in Daniel 9.24, and see what it actually means, it doesn't mean weeks. Like then most people go and they multiply 70 times 7 to figure out what this word weeks means, figuring it's 70 times a seven-day period. But it's the festival of weeks, the feast of weeks. The word weeks there is Shabua, and Shabua is a well, it has a really great meaning. Let me read here from it. Uh, from Strong's H7620, property passive particle as a um, literally seventh. That is a week, specifically of years, seven. So what you are doing by counting the Omer is you are sevening yourself. This sevening yourself is like repeating seven times your word. You're giving your word. It, it, it's like putting your hand in the Bible and doing it seven times. It's similar to that. It's sevening yourself. It's giving your oath. Oops, that's the word. It's called the Feast of Oaths. So as we look at this definition here of 7620, and then there's another word, Shabbat, which is 7650, to seven oneself, that is to swear, as if by repeating a declaration seven times, adjure, charge, by an oath, with an oath, feed to the full, by mistake, uh, to take an oath. Um, then there's another word that's related to it is Sabah, which is 7646, to state, that is, fill to satisfaction, have enough, fill, be to full, have plenty of, be satiated, 
satisfy, suffice, be wary of. And that is related again to another word, Sheba, S-H-E-H-B-A-H, Sheba, 7651, the cardinal number seven. Okay, so this sevening yourself is giving your word, giving your word. So when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea or when they left Egypt, now I've just done some calculations here and looked at Torah calendar and it seems to come out that the time that they left Egypt was uh, Sunday morning. The 15th started at sunset after the Sabbath. And the 15th day in the morning would be the Sunday morning. Now, when I look at 1379 BC, that's the year that it began Sunday morning. Passover was that Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday. So they would have left that Sunday morning, which is also the same time as the wave sheaf day would have been offered. Seven days later brings you to the Sabbath. And that's the time that they crossed the Red Sea. Now, some people disagree with that. I've done the calculations. I happen to believe that they could have walked to the, the Red Sea crossing site in seven or six days. No problem. We used to walk uh, 40 days or 40 miles uh, doing these walkathons for uh, charities that we did as a youth. I was 12, 13 years old, and I was walking 40 miles a day uh, to raise money. Getting back to our word, 70 weeks, 70 Shabuah. Right? That's what we're talking about, the Festival of Shabuah, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Oaths. This is the Feast of Oaths. So what is this oath? There are five virgins who have oil that they won't give to the, other, the others. They have to go and buy it, and they miss the, the time when the, the, uh, the groom arrives on his white horse. This oil is your preparing, your studying of the Torah. This seven weeks represents that time. You are each week you're getting better and better and better and better understanding until you come to the Feast of Shavuot. There's a lot in this feast. This is such a great thing because when you understand what happened at Wave Sheaf Day, Wave Sheaf Day was the, the time when the saints who had died in the faith up until that time when Yeshua came out of the grave, that's when they came out of the grave. And this wave offering was made at that time Sunday morning. We've explained this, the Wave Sheaf Sunday morning. And those saints came into town. Abram, Isaac, Noah, Enoch, Elijah. They came into town of Jerusalem and were, went up with Jehovah or with Yeshua and presented before Jehovah as a wave offering. These are the first fruits offering. These are the captives who came out of the grave, out of the cap captivity of Satan and ascended on high to Jehovah. Paul talks about this. He also talks about us being changed in the twinkling of an eye. This takes place at Pentecost. At Pentecost. And this is what we're looking forward to. But this Feast of Weeks is the Feast of Oaths. And you have made an oath at Mount Sinai. So at Shavuot, there is something that took place at Shavuot that's very significant. You need to understand it. Shavuot, again, means the Feast of Weeks, but also Oaths. And the name indicates the two oaths which God and the Jewish people exchanged upon the day of giving of the Torah to remain faithful to each other. So this is like a vows given back and forth. So swearing an oath in the light of ancient Near East structure, what does that mean? It's called a suzerain vassal treaty. And it's, conditional, it's a conditional covenant where the great king, Jehovah, or the nation, He's the suzerain, rules over a lesser servant, 
or over the people, which is us, Israelites, and we promise to obey and look after each other. We promise to obey the king. He promises to protect us. So here, let me read you the definitions of a suzerain treaty. Identification or preamble of those involved in the treaty. Prolonged listing of deeds performed by the suzerain king already done for the vassal nation. Commitments to be honored by the vassal for the time period of the treaty. Terms for a null reading, for annual reading, to the nation of the treaty to renew allegiance to the treaty and suzerain. Divine witness to the treaty. Blessings and curses for obedience and disobedience to the covenant treaty and a ratification of ceremony with oaths and sacrificial meal to show participation of those involved in the covenant treaty. This is a suzerain treaty. And this is what took place at Mount Sinai. Jehovah, the great king, and the people of Israel, the vassals. And the people, each time Moses came to them with the terms of Jehovah's covenant, all said, we will do all that he has said. Three times they said that. Then they had a meal. They had sacrifices and the blood was sprinkled on the altar and the book and the people. And this is the confirmation of this covenant made with Jehovah. But there's something else going on here. Something else that you need to understand. See, most people look at the, the God of the Old Testament and they wonder, why is he so mad all the time? I like the new God of the New Testament. You know, the God of love. The God of, we can do whatever we want, and he's okay with it. The God that is in love with LGBTQ. The God that loves the Muslims, the Buddhists, the Confucia, uh, the Christians, the Anglicans, the Protestants, uh, the atheists, all the same. That's the God that I like. But the God of the Old Covenant, the one who destroyed whole nations, the one who had genocide take place, the one who executed people for breaking the Sabbath or breaking the rules of his covenant. That's the one most people don't want to deal with. But why is he doing this? What is this covenant that we agreed to? It's a blood covenant. The sprinkling of the blood on the altar, on the, the book in which these, these laws were written, and upon the people is a blood covenant. What does that mean? A blood covenant is this. You know, when we were kids, we got this from... Uh, Huckleberry Finn, where you cut your hand and you rub it together with the, the guy that you're making a promise never to tell a secret to, and you rub your hands back and forth together and you mix your blood with each other. That's a blood covenant. What you're saying is that I'm going to keep my word even unto death. And the other person agrees even unto death. So in this covenant made at Mount Sinai with Jehovah, this blood covenant that we made with him there, if one of the parties breaks this covenant, the other party has the right to take their life. If God, if Jehovah, broke this covenant, we, the people of Israel, all 12 tribes, all 13 tribes, would have the right to require God to give his life to us. On the other hand, if we break this covenant, Jehovah has the right to demand us to pay the penalty for us breaking the covenant with our very own lives. And that's a blood covenant. And that's what we have made with Jehovah at Mount Sinai. And it wasn't just to the people that were there standing in front of them. This was to every generation that came out of their loins ever after that. Forever. 
And that's why it's important for you to understand who the 12 tribes of Israel are. And then we've explained that in our teaching about the 10 tribes. And I encourage you to go watch it. Uh, go to YouTube, look up the 10 tribes by Joseph Dumont, or go to my website and find the link there under the media section. It's free. You can order the DVD from me. Uh, the address at the end or send me an email to admin at sightedmoon.com and watch this stuff. Learn who Israel is. If you're a descendant from them, you are bound by this contract. It's a blood covenant. And if you're breaking it, then when things happen, circumstances happen, you pay the price. Now, another thing that happened, you know, in the history of Israel is that Jehovah divorced the northern ten tribes. He gave us a bill of divorce. He never divorced Judah. Judah is still under this marriage agreement with him. And Judah is still trying to obey it. And when they don't obey it, he punishes them. But because we, the northern ten tribes, went to whoring after other gods, which means we've gone in and had sex with other gods, Jehovah gave us the bill of divorce. Now he can't have us back. It's an abomination to him. So he does two things at the same time here. Yeshua said, what greater love is this than a man laid down his life for another? And Yeshua laid down his life for us. He paid the penalty that we were supposed to pay for breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai. At the same time, Jehovah, who is Yeshua, died. And that marriage contract is now null and void. And he can now marry again Israel. That's why we have the, you know, the saying about the ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. The five that were wise went and got their oil, kept their oil up and kept replenishing their oil and made sure they had enough oil to last. The foolish ones didn't care. They didn't study. They didn't work. They didn't practice the things they were learning. They just, it was head knowledge. The oil is the Holy Spirit that you're gaining from putting into practice the words of Jehovah and living it out in a daily life by keeping the Sabbath, by keeping the holy days, by keeping the sabbatical years. So each week, you go and learn more about this covenant that we made at Mount Sinai. Counting to 50, you're learning to get ready for the Sinai covenant that's coming up at Shavuot, at Pentecost. The covenant was made at Pentecost, and then in the book of Acts, we're told about the flames of fire, the Holy Spirit poured out in the Apostle. The Holy Spirit and the, the covenant are directly related. They've got something to do with each other. It's his spirit. It's who he is. The covenant at Mount Sinai is who Jehovah is. That's who we're to become. So the five wise built this up. But the five foolish didn't. Now, every sabbatical year, we are to read this covenant in its entirety, out loud. And we've done this now twice in Jerusalem. And last year in Jerusalem, we actually went to Joshua's altar where Joshua did it when he first arrived in the land of Israel. That was such an amazing thing to do. And we're hoping to go there again this fall. I hope you'll join us on this tour. But this is the importance of counting the Feast of Weeks and understanding this is the Feast of Oaths. This is a renewal of that covenant at Mount Sinai. Now, there's a lot of people in the New Testament, and let me see if I can find this here. Okay, so what I'm looking for here is Romans 10, let's start in verse 8. But what does it say? 
The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is this word, confess? Confess what? It's confessing your sins. Yeshua paid the penalty for your sins, so you have to, you're confessing your sins and claiming his blood sacrifice. So when you do that, most New Testament believers say they do this, but they don't understand what they're saying. You're confessing that you're breaking the covenant from Mount Sinai. In order to repent, you must turn 180 degrees from breaking it and now start to keep that covenant at Mount Sinai, for which the price is paid if you repent. But if you're not going to repent, then you're not confessing what Yeshua did for you. James says, show me your faith by your works. Show me your faith by your works. Don't just tell me you have faith. Show it to me by the things you do. Here we're reading about your faith. It's not just saying the name of Jesus. Jesus this, Jesus that. You know, that doesn't prove anything. But the walk, the walk that you walk, the way that you live, by keeping the Torah, that is a confession of your faith in Yeshua. That is your confession of your faith in Yehovah. That is renewing the covenant each day, each week, each sabbatical cycle, each Feast of Pentecost, you're renewing your faith to be obedient to that covenant that was made on the Feast of Pentecost. It's not just going around talking in tongues. That's speaking different languages. But being, you know, some people think that you can talk in tongues and that's showing your faith. That's not it. The covenant at Mount Sinai says, and this is the sign, this is the seal of Jehovah on you. The fourth commandment. The Holy Days of Leviticus 23 and the sabbatical year. People talk in the book of, you know, about the book of Hebrews. They want to enter into that rest at the end of this age. They want to enter into that millennial rest, that 7,000 years when they can just be with God. Yet they refuse to keep the weekly Sabbath, which is a representation of that seventh millennial rest. They refuse to keep the sabbatical year, which again is a representation of that sabbatical millennial rest. They refuse to keep the holy days, which tell you about the whole plan of salvation. You know, the Feast of Weeks tells you about the first offering, the first wave offering, and the second wave offering. The wave sheaf day is the first one. The wave sheaf at Pentecost is the second one. And then at Sukkot, there's another offering of all the rest of the fruit. These are not talking about grains and vegetables and, and animals. These are talking about human beings and their souls. There's a group of people raised up at Wave Sheaf during the Days of Unleavened Bread. There's another group going to be raised up at the end of this age at Pentecost. And then there's another group raised up just before the end of the seventh millennium, and before the eighth one begins. In the eighth millennium is when God is going to come and dwell with man. That's what the eighth day feast represents at the end of Sukkot. Christianity does not study the holy days. They don't understand what they mean. 
Therefore, they take some of the things written in the New Testament and they twist it to their own damnation, as Peter says about the things that Paul wrote. They have no idea what they're talking about because they have no basis for that understanding that is, you know, the New Testament is based on the understanding of the Old Testament. And if you skip the Old Testament, you don't understand that. And that's why Christianity is such a mess today. The covenant at Mount Sinai, these seven weeks leading up to that covenant, these festival or the feast of oaths that leads up to that, the renewing of our promise to obey God, the Holy Spirit given on the, the exact same day of who God is, which is what this covenant is. You have to keep the sabbatical and jubilee years. And if you're not keeping them, you're not going to be in that seventh millennial rest. It's hard to believe. No, it's hard to understand. You've been lied to for much of your life. Open up your Bible and read it, cover to cover, front to back. It's about you obeying Jehovah. And if you're not going to obey him, you're not going to be in that kingdom. It's as simple as that. The festival of oaths teaches us that if we don't obey God, we don't get that blood sacrifice that Yeshua gave on the tree that day for us. We get to pay our own penalties with our own lives and with the lives of our own family and our own children. That's what he's saying. But if you repent, you get the sacrifice that Yeshua paid for you and his blood was used for you. If you repent. But if you're not going to repent, you get to pay for it with your own life. And that's the brutal reality, brutal reality of not obeying these commandments at the Feast of Pentecost. A lot of Christians keep the Feast of Pentecost because it's on a Sunday. And they keep uh, Palm Sunday and, and Easter Sunday because it's on a Sunday. Palm Sunday did occur on Sunday, and Easter is not part of the Holy Days, but Wave Sheaf Day, which is what people call Ascension Sunday, is the day he went to heaven. Shavuot, Pentecost is another Sunday, and it's mandated in Leviticus 23. But if it, you're going to keep Pentecost Sunday, then why aren't you keeping the rest of the holy days? The Feast of Oaths has a very serious and deadly consequence for not obeying it. You need to obey Jehovah. You need to keep these commandments. You need to study them. You need to keep the holy days at the proper time. And you need to keep the weekly Sabbath. And if you're not going to do that, then you get to deal with all these things that come along on your own. Because Jehovah also says, I believe it's in Proverbs one twenty-eight or 28.1, he doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. And those that are sinning are those who are not keeping the law. And there's a group of people that he's going to say in that day, be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. Why does he not know you? Because you didn't obey, you didn't keep the commandments. Yeah, but you say, we raised the dead, we healed the sick, we did all these charitable things, all these good things. But he says, I never knew you. We had 15 million people come out to our, our conference and uh, we did so much money and gave it to the poor. And we did. I never knew you. I'm a good person. I go to church every week. I give money to ch I never knew you. 
because you did not keep the commandments. You did not keep the Sabbath or the holy days. You did not keep the Feast of Weeks, which is the Feast of Oaths. You did not keep the covenant that I made with your ancestors that were, were you were in their loins. I made it with you at the same time. And all these blessings that we've received is because we obeyed Jehovah. No. All these blessings we received is because Jehovah kept his part of the agreement. Whether we obeyed or not, he was going to fulfill his agreement to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his covenant at Mount Sinai, whether we agreed to obey or not. But we agreed to obey. We agreed at Mount Sinai to obey. So whether or not we obeyed, he kept his part of the deal. We haven't kept ours. And that's why you're seeing these curses of, of Leviticus 26 coming out and happening each sabbatical cycle. The first curse of terror, the first, second curse of severe drought and famine, the third curse of pestilence and disease, the fourth curse is starting now in 2017 of the sword. And here, look what's going on. We got United States and North Korea on the verge of a nuclear war. We got the United States and Russia all upset about fighting going on in Syria. We've got European Union about to be to, to get their own nuclear armament and the UK pulling away and them fighting. We've got the European Union, the great whore of revelation, making all these treaties with China, Asia, and South America and Central America and the rest of Europe. But the United States and the United Kingdom will be out. And unless you have the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. And that's what they're what's happening right now. So here we are in the fourth sabbatical cycle of the sword. The fifth curse is captivity, cannibalism. You will eat your own sons and daughters. You don't have to believe in the God of the Old Testament. But by not believing, you're still going to have to pay that penalty. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, that means if you repent with your mouth, if you confess, if you go back to the covenant of Mount Sinai with your mouth and in your deeds, then you will be proclaiming the sacrifice that Yeshua made for you. But if you're not going to do that, there is no sacrifice for you. These are strong words. So as we count the Omer, leading up to the Feast of Pentecost, I want you to think about these things. Think about what they mean. Think about what you're doing. Are you obeying? Are you getting ready to be a part of that kingdom? The kingdom's going to have rules. Are you going to be obeying those rules? Do you know what those rules are? He has not changed. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you going to obey? So I want to thank you, brethren. I pray Jehovah watch over you. I pray Jehovah open your minds to his truths. And as you move forward to start to obey him, he comes forward and starts blessing you more with more understanding, more knowledge, and more wisdom. Jehovah be with you and keep you in these dangerous times that we're coming into. Amen. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles, along with the magnificent prophecies which could only be revealed in these very last days. 
when you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007-RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9W-S30. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end-time warning out. 